All right, welcome back to the Live Ultralight podcast. We are going to wrap up our Tusher Mountain Fast Pack. Uh, we've got the whole crew here. If you haven't listened to part one or part two, make sure to go listen to those. They will set up part three here where we're going to be finishing out the last half day or so of, of, of moving and also just t- taking away the biggest takeaways, the biggest lessons learned and, and some things like that. So um, yeah, just make sure you go back, listen to those first episodes before we start day three. So at this point, just to recap a, a little bit, we have covered about 20 or 47 miles with 10 and a half thousand feet of elevation gain in two days. So in two days, 47 miles, 10 and a half uh, thousand feet of elevation gain. We're all pretty beat up and I'm still battling some, some stomach issues, stomach sickness. Brennan on day two, his knee stabilized pretty well, except for one part where I tried to have him run uh, down a hill on kind of a side hill. And it seemed like it was that side hill that, that bothered you. But other than that, Brennan was, was feeling good at that point. And uh, I think everyone else was just, you know, filling the, filling the miles, but doing well. I don't think anyone else had like a specific injury or problem going on for them. But so we wake up day three, it pretty much rained a lot of the night, most of the night it felt like, I don't know, I was tossing and turning, but I don't know if I was registering that. Um, I definitely woke up thinking like just crossing my fingers. One of those, like you wake up and you're just like, hopefully, hopefully my stomach is just normal and I'm going to be good to go today and everything's going to be great. And, uh, it didn't take me very long, stood up out of my tent and it was just like, Nope, I'm the same. (laughs) My stomach is still churning and, um, but I, I need to try to get some food down. And, And so just, again, still battling some of that, but um yeah it was cold though too getting out of tents that day putting on cold wet shoes that day i feel like was was worse than the day (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was extra cold that morning and putting on wet muddy shoes was not like i would equate it to the times when i've been doing other trips more in the winter months where i'm putting on frozen boots um it was about as bad as that because not only were you putting on wet shoes but in the winter, I usually at least have dry socks, warm, dry socks that I'm putting into the wet boots. But no, it's like, now let's first like paint on wet socks, like drag them onto your feet and then slide your feet into uh, some lovely soaking wet shoes. I don't, I don't think I had the same experience as you guys. Uh, I did mention in the last episode that I had a pair of socks for every day because they were really lightweight and really small. Um, and. But anyways, I just was able to put a dry pair of socks on in the morning, which then I did put into what shoes. But I don't think it was quite the same experience that you're explaining here. For me, it wasn't too bad. Dry, dry, dry socks, socks. They do. They I had dry socks. What Brennan say? Yeah, I had dry socks as well. Yeah, I did too. I I took a pair of socks for sleeping and a pair of socks for running. So on the third day, my sleeping socks now became my running socks for for that day. So I ran in wet socks the the middle day, because I just didn't care, I just put on wet socks. But third day, ran in dry socks that I've been using for sleeping. It's a it's a mental. Yeah, I, I feel like you guys are on a different level here because I have dry socks. So I was putting in my shoe, but I knew they were going to get wet five minutes later. Oh, so yeah. it was like there was no comfort with having a pair of dry socks that were going to get wet for me. So as soon as you put them in the shoe. small comfort, yeah, small it's like, it's comfort. Like, but to me, it was just like I dreaded putting my nice warm feet 
into that wet shit. Well, I yeah. mean, for me, by the time my socks are wet, you know, by the time they're in there, five minutes later, they're wet again. Like, yeah, they get wet. But by that point, my shoes are also warm. Yeah, you've heated, mm-hmm. you've preheated your that shoes. Warm. They're warm. Yeah, makes more sense. That's a good point. I don't think my feet were cold in the wet shoes, but yeah, just that, something about wet. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you can't tell, I don't like being Dude. wet. Brigham's the cat of the office, apparently. <laughs> just yeah. hates the water. Um, anywho, I don't, I don't know. We got up. We rolled out of camp pretty quick. Did the same drill where we're like, all right, we'll find a place to have breakfast a little bit farther down the trail. Um, I definitely was trying to eat, uh, you know, as, as I was packing up camp and try to get some food down for sure. But um, pretty much the same as the day before where it's just very small amounts of food. But... I did have a little bit of confusion right off the bat when we started hiking. Taysen, he takes off a little early because he knows he's feeling sick, and so he's like, I'm going to get a head start and go slower. Um, I'm all packed up, so he's like, I'm out of here trying to get a head start. Uh, the rest of us could catch up to him later. And I think it was Darren that, that went with, with him, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyways... Darren is always ready with his backpack on, fully loaded, about 30 minutes before most of us wake up. (laughs) Somehow I'm always the last. I was the last. last. So so these guys are rolling out, and then my stroke of luck comes in clutch, and here we go passing another trailhead with a porta potty. And so I'm like, well, I will take advantage of that this morning as well. And I hop in there and doing my thing, and I get out, and there's nobody around them. And everybody had left already so i'm like i think they all just kind of took off to the people that hadn't gone yet were just at that point trying to catch up to Tayson as well was my assumption um i didn't know if really anybody was even behind me at all at that point so i'm just kind of hiking down this trail by myself for like three miles i think and i really had some questions about <laughs> i have no idea if this is even the right trail <laughs> Like, I'm just going, but, I mean, it's going down, and I know this is day three, and we're going to get out of the mountains today, so as long as it's going down, I think I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. Turned out to be all right, I think. Um, but it ended up being, I, I ended up being on the right trail and caught up to these guys. Taysen had stopped with Darren, and they were filtering some water in a stream, but, you know, for a while there, there was a number of miles where I was a little bit confused. <laughs> all nervous. And then, and then I, I paused and looked around a few times. I just stopped running. And I would just look around and think about it again. And I'd keep running, and then I'd pause, you know, half a mile later, think about it. And after a couple pauses, I finally saw Brennan starting to catch up to me in, in the back, so I just waited for him. and like, all right, well, I guess we're lost. We'll be lost in the same place. Because he, he didn't have a Garmin inReach or anything either and didn't know the route like I didn't. So, Fortunately, so it was up. pretty main road trail to to follow we were uh, we were on the right way i just not spent a lot of time up in that mountain range so i really enjoyed that first section like the thought was like me and darren were just like yeah we'll just get walking and and warm up our muscles and and stuff like that and i really enjoyed that section of trail it was it was just super pretty super rugged country wasn't Um, raining wasn't raining for a half a second uh yeah it was it was nice but essentially we all got caught back up um and started climbing up this pass to go through a pass where we we're going to get onto uh, a trail and go along the backside of this this ridge. And that's where you kind of knew, like, you know, it was probably pretty cold last night. There's still piles, piles of hail uh, in any kind of crevice or, or just areas where they'd pooled up. and Marble-sized hail. Big, big, yeah. <laughs> like, wear a hard hat type of, yeah. of hail. 
um but it and it didn't melt all you know all night so it was it was definitely cooler um which kind of was a good reference for uh just some of the sleeping gear we were in and how that worked out but um yeah we climbed up through the pass went past a, an old mine shaft um derek tried to get into it but it was pretty well closed up so we didn't have to lose him down a mine shaft and, um then we dropped way way down and started this other really cool really remote backcountry uh trail that before, i've never been on before and before we did that um Taysen actually almost led us on the wrong trail and i'm the one here without a map but i kind of point out i don't think that's the way you want to go but i guess i don't really know and so they were ahead of me i was about in the middle of the group and they were taking off down this trail, and I see this sign off to the side with an arrow pointing down um, off of, you know, the totally different direction from where these other guys are already heading. And so I yell out, up at them and stop them say, hey, I don't know, you might want to just look at this sign at least. You know, you've got the map, but who am I to speak here? But also I'm going to speak. Uh, ended up being the right way. So these guys had to walk back up the, the trail a little ways in this little walk of shame, having walked <laughs> the wrong way for about 500 yards or 500 feet, I mean, and in my defense, the trail I was on was much better than the trail you pointed out. So, <laughs> the undergrowth uh, was pretty bad. Yeah, in this area. it was but, a burn area too. But it was the start of, uh, not the start, but it did go right along with the battle that I felt like me and Tyler were constantly having with navigation between his uh, iPhone and my Google Pixel phone. His, uh, I, I'm convinced that his iPhone's GPS is very slow to update, so he was. He was always uh, a little ways off whenever we'd pull out our phones at the same time. So when you said that, I'm like, no, nah, it's just Tyler. It's just, it, just wait for your GPS to, to load up, buddy. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we had disagreeing opinions on whose uh, GPS and phones were working better. It was a good times. check and balance. It was. It In kept reality. us honest. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we, we dropped off there, got on this really cool trail. I really, really enjoyed the trail. There was a very steep downhill, which sucked, but then after that, it was just a lot of um, working our way down or side-hilling across this ridge for a lot of miles, a lot more miles than I thought um, that, that section was going to be, but um, just a really cool section of trail. You guys, uh, I was looking for wildlife really heavily. We ran into some elk. Darren, Darren saw some elk, um, and then these guys, well, we saw some raspberry bushes, but uh, these guys... We saw apparently really had a little uh, pit stop in a in a raspberry farm along yeah. the way. Raspberry Even heaven. We found Raspberry Hollow. One of the impressive things I thought was the first spring that we stopped at for the day was like so it was a spring and we were right at the very top of where it came out of the ground and it was like a gushing creek like a lot coming of out of the mountain and yeah. and most of the time you don't see a spring that has that kind of volume of water just coming straight out of the mountain. And it was so, like, clean that and nice compared to where everywhere else we The muddy water we'd been filtering, yeah. the runoff water. Yeah, that was that was really cool, cool to see a spring with that much uh, volume coming out of it. And then as we side-hilled, there was a lot of down trees we had to get over through the burn area and through some of those. I'll never figure out. I'll never figure out why that's... Brigham's favorite kind of trail. <laughs> I don't really care for the down trees, but for some reason, Brigham just loves the down tree yeah, trail. I was, uh, I was getting pretty doubtful <laughs> of, the, of that route. 
that uh, it, it only lasts like only a like mile. A, yeah. He very I, specific when we were first planning it. He very specifically, I think, called out that section of trail too. Like, yes. you better call some forest service guy and make sure that's not like a crappy trail. And so we started crossing down trees. I'm like, eh, I'm glad he's a couple of minutes behind me on the trail right now. <laughs> I was I was keeping my thoughts to myself. I was like, I'll hold my judgment until let's give it a mile. That <laughs> was hard on Brennan's knee for sure. He was that was a rough time. Yeah, we we started a long little trek through. There's probably a down tree every couple hundred feet that we had to climb over. So you'd look up and see Brennan or Darren, you know, kind of laying on it and just kind of like sliding off the other side and. You know, other guys like trying to climb up and on, go off the trail and scramble over things. And other guys trying to do the high knees and step over, but it was a big. It is. It is when my exercise six foot three legs really come in handy for some of that. But don't get high centered as often. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we did. We did forget to cover one thing. I just was remembering was was Brigham's tingly face no hands face both well, hands on ha- face and arms yeah it was weird i don't it was really weird yeah i uh when i woke up that morning and like got out of got dressed got out of the tent and when i was kind of breaking down my tent and packing up the bag i like noticed my arms tingly and i thought it was like it felt like if you kind of have like a partially asleep arm when you've been sleeping on a, your shoulder too long or something or sleeping with your arm above your head that's what it felt like, so that's what I thought it was. But like we, for that first few miles, we were running, and like it didn't go away. So I was like, "What the heck? This is weird." It was, it was becoming noticeable because it wasn't going away. And then when we had to walk up that uphill stretch towards the pass where we, then we got on that other trail, I started noticing my face was going tingly and slightly numb, like I'd been to the dentist. Where it's like, you know, where you keep like... Did you bring up any of your mountain tea the night no, before? No, I should have. <laughs> I'm just, just wondering if maybe you got the wrong thing no, in the tea. Uh, or... That was before we started eating everything we saw on the trail, yeah, too. Yeah, that was before. And maybe that would have <laughs> helped a little got sooner. Got rid of those mushrooms by accident? <laughs> yeah, maybe. There was a lot of mus- Did you dabble with mushrooms without maybe. us knowing? I may have. I don't know. No, it was just really weird, and it was, um, it was like just... A red flag because like I I do this a lot I spend a lot of time I'm very physical and so like I am used to like the the typical ailments or aches and pains or exhaustion or dehydration but when you have like a, a weird feeling like that that's like new it's like this is really weird and it makes it like I thought about it a lot so I was hyper aware of everything that was going on in my body so I was trying to not push too hard and like you know, it was the third day, so I was tired, and it was just I was paying attention to it, and I also didn't have much of an appetite because it's just tired of all the food I'd had, and um, I was trying to I was eating, thinking oh, maybe if I just slowly eat, it would help. And I think that actually that's what started helping was just eating a little bit of a few things at a time for like a one or two hour period, and then my my face came back. I could feel my face normal again, and yeah, it was just I don't know two or three hour time period where I just had the tingles and my face felt like I'd been to the dentist and did and, and uh, I remember you said that you talked to some people after. Did you ever diagnose what you thought it was or just I, exertion or yeah the two I talked to two family members that are doctors and just kind of gave them the whole description of the scenario and 
the lead up to it and um it sounds like i just had really low blood sugar and was just depleted on calories and that's mm. just one one of the symptoms that can occur you know it sounds like i just woke up and i didn't eat breakfast when i got up i didn't put anything in my body so yeah when we you did just that get up three and start or four running, mile thing again yeah that's what that's what they both said it's like you just got up and started running and you like burnt through your stores in like 15 minutes and so then your your body just started like trying to pull everything so pretty interesting stuff for sure i feel like when we're when you push to this level you you're always going to learn new things but um which will i want to dive deeper into but I, I always feel like anytime you stress your body a little bit past the comfort zone and do some of that you get to learn new things and you can kind of look at it like oh i don't want to experience that again or you can look at it like what can i learn from that and for me i just always like to look at it what can i learn and, and how can i improve but um so yeah let's kind of talk about finishing out the trail i mean that section of trail again was just super awesome really really enjoyed it um, i need to preface what i said oh um i said we ate everything we saw on the trail but really we just got to this one wa- beautiful little waterfall spot and the whole entire hillside was just covered in wild raspberries and uh Tayson and Darren had gone a ways ahead. Brennan was wanting to get ahead because his knee was slowing him down getting over the trees. So Derek Brigham and I just, like, pigged out on raspberries like yes, black bears. Like, we just climbed all the way up, like, awesome. all the way up the side, just like, oh, look at that bush. Oh, look at this one. Like, we were just spotting them and, and going for it, and we ate quite a bit. You right picture there. this entire hillside covered in raspberry bushes above and below the trail. It was and awesome. They were all full of ripe, yeah. ripe berries. They were ready, and it yes. was amazing. I think I'm ready for lunch now. Yes, <laughs> I haven't. I didn't take my lunch today, and I that sounds really good. <laughs> and then we found like ripe currants, yeah. and we actually found a little bit of mint too yeah. on the trail. Um, but I will say, just don't eat anything that you're not 100 percent sure what it is right. when that you're was, out there. Yes. That was my thoughts after I had been <laughs> accepting food from these guys. <laughs> You're like Tyler. Tyler knows what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brigham and Tyler are like, "Oh, that's spearmint. Let's put some. Derek, put some of this in your mouth." I'm like, "Okay," and then shove it in there. I'm like, "Mm." "You know, I hope they really know what they're talking about." But my tongue (laughs) is starting to go numb. (laughs) And then, like, uh, that's one of the things that happen when you eat mint leaves. I, uh, yeah, perfectly normal. For sure. Disclaimer: (laughs) Don't don't eat anything we said that we ate, and. Research it out yourself. Never eat anything unless you're 100% certain you know what it is. There are just a few things that I do know that I am 100% certain. And so, like, I I get really excited when I find those things. Anything that I'm skeptical of or not 100% certain, I would never... I wouldn't eat myself, let alone give to Derek. (laughs) We we did know that there was mushrooms that people would forage through for, through that forest. But we didn't know which ones it was, and That's it looked like there was three or four species there, and so we just didn't mess there were some with the mushrooms. Alice in Wonderland looking <laughs> yeah. mushrooms. Yeah. We don't there. really get that many mushrooms in Utah. We get some, but there was so much rain this last month here that I've never, ever seen so many mushrooms in my life on the mountain, which definitely left me thinking, man, I really wish I knew more about mushrooms because I'm sure some of these would be really good eaten. And, some of them might have helped me sleep at night. I don't know. Or but might make you run off a cliff. <laughs> or, or do that. Uh, anyway, so we get to the end of this section of trail, and we tee into basically a road 
and Where? the last section of the the hike, the way that we wanted to do it is we wanted to go highway to highway, uh, or freeway to freeway, I guess, more so, or highway to freeway, whatever. And uh, pavement to pavement. <laughs> I'll, I'll stick with that one. And uh, so we, we basically, at that point, got onto a dirt road and had to finish out the rest of that hike. Um, and I think that was about seven or eight miles, that last section of running downhill is about 3,000 feet down or two, two and a half thousand feet down, about seven miles, eight miles. And uh, we had actually done 1,800 feet of climbing in that side hilling. We, yeah. we kind of well, and that thought, climb to get to that pass was pretty, yeah. pretty good. We kind of thought that it was like all downhill on day three. Yeah. We had some pretty good climbing, and then when we got off of that backcountry trail and had to go down the road. It was all downhill, it's and it was like kind of steep. downhill. Yeah. Steep downhill at the start, too, which just yeah. toasts your quads quick. And It was like 11 miles of straight downhill in the rain. Yeah, and I think this is, this is honestly where my hiking felt like it was coming apart. I started, and I was thinking, all right, Brendan has said multiple times his knees aren't good at downhill and this and that, all, like... I'll just hang out with Brennan and, and ride this out to the end. And then next thing I know, Brennan's like flying past me down the road. And I'm like, oh, great. That's not good. That's not, anyways, so we get like halfway down and still doing okay. But I'm definitely starting to feel it pretty good. Uh, Brennan, Darren, and Derek are ahead. And it's kind of me and, and Tyler and uh, Brigham in the, in the back group. And um, still kind of piecing together. But I can I can feel like I'm not doing as well, not doing as well. And then we get down to the last two miles, and it really flattens out. And that's where that was probably the biggest wall that I had hit by far on that trip, but maybe ever. Because by that point in the day, it was like one o'clock, and I hadn't eaten breakfast. I had maybe a piece of jerky, and didn't we didn't stop for lunch because we were all just so focused on finishing the trail. And so I, those last two miles, which were literally flat, some of the easiest miles of the whole trip, were probably some of my hardest miles of the entire trip, um, just because of where I'd allowed myself to get into. Now, it would have been much smarter, and if we were going longer, I definitely would have forced a stop, forced calories down, tried to hold them down without puking, and, and kept moving. But where it was so close, it was just so, just that shiny, shiny object right in front of you where you're just like, just finish. Like, it's just right here. Like, we don't need to stop. We don't need to eat. We don't just need to feel. Mary. Just go for it, you know? And, and I I paid for that. I I definitely paid for that crossing the, the finish line, per se, and finishing that trail. But, um, yeah. I mean, any other thoughts just on closing that before we kind of jump into just some, some takeaways? I mean. I feel like that super consistent steep grade downhill for those last seven miles was physically one of the hardest things that we did because your quads and stuff were just kind of locking up as you're running down 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 and you had your pack on and it was interesting because we all thought that would be by we far thought that was the easiest home stretch easiest ever well, i think it just depends on your training your body type and your muscle types because for me and yeah. probably i would assume darren that probably was the easiest part of the trail for, for sure the run. Yeah. So if you're under 120 pounds soaking wet, it's easy to run downhill. <laughs> yeah, for Apparently. me it was, yeah, it was like uh, two things. For me, like physical effort was not difficult. It was not intense, but the, it was the pain. It was the joints. It was my, my, uh, my knees and the bottoms of my feet. So it was like 
in terms of it being like difficult, like yeah. the most, it was, it was more of the most painful miles for me. Um, but because like, yeah, effort wise, it wasn't too, like the effort was not intense. It was the, the constant like pounding. That's more so right. To me, I think to be fair, Darren and I have both been doing a lot of training around like half marathons and things that we've been running. And a lot of the half marathon races that we run are downhill for 13 miles like that. And, and, just and you're running on harder surfaces than like we're at tip, like at least me and Tyler have been running a lot on trails versus you guys. I feel like maybe are used to running on harder surfaces too, like yeah. roads. And we were running on a road, a very packed road for the most part. So I'm sure that it was just a little bit harder surface than, you know, Brigham and, and Tyler were used to as well. I didn't get the knee and the joint pain or even the muscular pain. I just had nothing in the tank. Um, so I was kind of in the middle of you two, I feel like. But Yeah, for me it was just pretty easy. Like let gravity do the work at that point. All you got to do is move your legs back and forth. Your feet, your feet will hit the ground. It's and just that easy. You just move your legs go. back and forth and <laughs> you run at nine miles an hour down the trail. No, yeah, you just kick in the your, mud. Kick your leg yeah. forward, kick your other leg forward. You don't really have to like exert yourself to take a step, really. You just are mo moving your legs back yeah. and forth, and your feet kind of hit the ground, and you just move down a hill, and gravity literally is doing it. I think the reason some people feel pain is because they try to slow themselves down too much, which there's That's some validity right. to that with you know trying to be careful and not fall or injure yourself, but at the same time, it's a lot easier sometimes just to go. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely can run downhill way faster than anyone I know. Some people have better cartilage and internals in their joints than others. Like I'm old and haggard, and I know my joints have been damaged. So yeah. yeah. Well, so then we crossed the finish line. How did you guys feel finishing it? I mean, just I guess walk us through some of your guys' thoughts when you when you finished it out. Darren was probably like, "All right, let's go home." Easy peasy, another day at work, but the rest of us, you know. <laughs> well, we actually, Darren and Brendan and I, uh, we actually ended up walking the last like couple of miles because we, we figured, man, we're just probably so far ahead that we're just gonna be sitting around if we finish too soon, and so we were gonna try to like slow it down and, and maybe give you guys in the, in the back group a chance to catch up a little more because we really didn't when we were talking about it we really didn't want to just sit around doing nothing once we yeah. got to the end so the last part was especially easy for us because we literally were just walking for like two miles um so when we got there we're like just joking around because we're walking we're talking it's really easy and we're kind of just joking and like oh yeah we made it there it is it's kind of a casual thing for the front group yeah i agree yeah, with that it's like, but it was cool to see like that, you know, where we were finishing the freeway was like this big old bridge right in front of us. So just seeing that finish line right there was really cool to see and kind of exciting to get to. After that long trip, it was just really beautiful sight. Never said that about a road before, but it's like, it was pretty cool to see. Beautiful road I've ever seen. <laughs> I, don't I know me and in. Darren were joking around because if for those of you that don't know, we had somebody drop off a car at the other end so that we didn't have to have somebody come and pick us up. And every time me and Darren saw a car, we're like, oh, man, we hope McClin parked this in the right spot. Or that would have been a really good spot for McClin to park. And so I think we were all just excited to kind of get on the trail, get off the trail and get in the car and just be done, too, even though it was an amazing experience. 
Yeah, I was going to say, um, I don't think like the distance or the accomplishment set in until we were in the car and then paralleling that mountain range on I-15. And, and like, it took us about like 40 minutes of driving to, to parallel that whole entire mountain range. And so I was just staring out the window at those mountains the whole time, like tracing back the distance that we had gone and looking at it and thinking, man, that's like, we went a long ways in a pretty short time. And that is some really rugged country. So that was kind of when, when it really set in was like a while after when I was looking at it again. So. Yeah, I'd agree with that. What I thought was cool was when we were driving along the highway and you can see where, you know, the mountain range in the distance. What I thought was cool is we were driving, it was overcast, but it wasn't really raining. Um, but looking up at the mountains and just like seeing the clouds and knowing exactly <laughs> where we ran through. And you're like, I know what's happening in those clouds right now. Because we ran through it for like three days. And like, I thought that, that was kind of like a fun mental exercise to like mentally put myself way up there where those dark clouds were and you know there's lightning going on and you know it's pouring down and windy and it's like yeah we just went through we just went through that <laughs> now we're just driving down the highway yep yeah yeah i i think at that point most of us are just thinking food for whatever reason nothing sounded good i i mean i could eat some of that jerky of darren's but everything else just sounded so terrible but a, a subway sandwich with like extra mayonnaise for whatever reason sounded like the best thing ever from like day two on so i was just like get me to a subway i don't know just a weird thing but um that's what i was craving and i that's about the time i was able to start putting food down so i'm gonna jump right in first i guess to my biggest takeaways um i'll start with with that specifically and and my biggest takeaway hands down was I've, I've been trying to figure out what the heck happened. Um, when I got home, one of my, my brother, he said that he'd actually had a bit of a stomach bug. It could have been that. It could have just been pure exertion. It could have been me flushing out electrolytes by like water logging on day one that maybe just started me down a bad path. It could have been a variety of things. But the one thing that I do feel like the big takeaway for me was is I will now and going forward do my best to pack a variety of food. I was packing... 4,000 calories per day to eat. I knew I was going to be burning well over that, but was just trying to pack as much food as I could, um, focused a little bit more on calorie per ounce. And But there was just things like Brennan, he pulled out a tortilla, you know, and I was just like, that looks so good right now. Um, but it's like just little things. And so to me, going forward, I'm going to actually dial back my, my focus on the calorie per ounce side of things and just go for a massive variety I finished the trail with probably 75% of my food uneaten, which is a lot of food uneaten over three days. Like I, I just barely, I had less than one day's worth of food that I actually ate over a two and a half day um, trip. But if I just felt like I had maybe more variety, maybe something in there would have been all right for me to eat and just helped me push forward. But I think just variety is 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 the, the ticket there for me. So um, you're gonna see me pack more variety. Even if I'm dialing back the calorie count, I can get in, say, a two-pound per day food budget, um, weight budget. I think it's more important to even get 3,000 calories in you than 4,000 calories and not be able to finish it because you don't like the food. So we're going to be messing around with that. We also, um, kind of a side note, but 
I think we're going to be getting a freeze dryer here in the office so that we can experiment with just even snacks. Like I'm still a massive proponent of Peak Refuel. I'm still going to use them. I'm still going to eat their stuff all the time. But I kind of just want to play around with freeze drying supplementary things and, and snacks and, and other items that I can that I can eat and try to keep down. So that was my biggest lesson learned. So let's maybe go around the room real quick and go through the biggest lesson learned and then we'll dive through the, the most important thing you took and, and something you could have left home. So we'll start with you, Brennan, just so we can um, have you uh, out of the way so we don't talk over you and then we'll kind of move through the rest of the guys. So right now we're just doing the biggest lesson learned, correct? Yep, just biggest lesson learned first. So for me, the biggest lesson learned, my biggest struggle as we've kind of talked about throughout this three-part series was my uh, knee pain. Um, and what I kind of just learned from that was just kind of get ahead of injuries, both physically and mentally. So just the second that I start feeling it, I just feel like I need to maybe take ibuprofen earlier, make sure that I keep that pain down and keep moderating it. And then the biggest thing for me was like get ahead of it mentally as well. Like just give myself a goal like, hey, I'm going to make it through tonight and then see how I feel in the morning and the next one. OK, let's make it through this next pass and then we'll see how we're feeling after that. Or you can get to this downhill stretch. I think just getting ahead of the injury, not only physically, but mentally is like something that really helped me throughout that trip and something that I definitely want to continue to practice just because I saw even Tayson every time we hit a downhill stretch, he wasn't feeling good and he was still running testing his boundaries and so that was something that kind of motivated me to uh, get ahead of my injury uh, injury mentally as well which I think is kind of what gave me everything that I had that last day in the tank so that's my biggest awesome Derek you know there's a lot of cool inspiring things that I noticed and learned but I'd say the biggest is just pretty much comes back down to toilet paper Toilet paper? That's the thing that I keep thinking about the most since this trip. You know, on day three, I I ran out of toilet paper. What? My last you, you used nothing but the public porta potties. How did you run I out of know, toilet paper? I know. Four squares for the trip. One square per session is all you need. Well, I... I pretty much have just had toilet paper in, in my backpacking stuff. And I'm like, oh, I didn't like hardly use any on this last trip, and it's good for the next trip kind of a thing, right? And so I thought I had plenty, which, you know, just looking at the rolls, like, yeah, it looks like it should be fine. But, um, you know, after for day one and two, as we passed all these different trailheads, I, I mean, mentioned this in the last two episodes. If you haven't listened to those, go back and listen to some of those. There's some more comments on this about it. But we got pretty lucky, and we were able to use porta-potties as we navigated through multiple trails and past different trailheads and so on day three the last day i ended up using some toilet paper in the woods and i ran out luckily i had just enough but i just start started thinking like man that was close like you I can be this. honest with us. You can say you got 75% of the way done. And oh, no, no, no. I used mint leaf. Mint leaf I really do think I had a stroke of luck this whole trip. I, you know, I mentioned last episode. Like yeah, you would have run out way faster. My stroke of luck came in every time we hit a porta potty just when it was the perfect timing Dang. of day for me. Yeah. Well, on day three, my stroke of luck continued because I had just enough, and then I wouldn't need to use any of it until like, we finished out trail. But I did run out, and I didn't even have to use it hardly at all because of all the different trailheads we passed. So 
I've been thinking about that a lot you, since. You could have used all of mine. I don't think I went like one time <laughs> on the trip. There's nothing coming in the top. So. so that was my biggest takeaway. I really think that that would have been a game changer and is going to be a game changer. We have another trip coming up next week that's going to be all week long. It's going to be a game changer for you. And there's yeah. not going to be menus <laughs> for me to use up there. No, it won't. Nor and, outhouses. Uh, Just pine Nor, definitely not outhouses in the so, U.S. So, that's been on my mind. I think, of all the things I learned, that's my biggest front of mind thing. All right. It's, good, yeah, it's not a problem you want to have. It's, yeah. <laughs> yep. I Maybe you need that. one of those little bidets that everyone's raving about now oh, that you yeah. screw onto your water bottle. <laughs> hey, bidets are awesome. awesome. Don't doubt them. <laughs> all right, Tyler. So, um, I kind of had two. The, the first one was just like a um, solidifying in my mind the value of um, working up to bigger trips the way that we have. Because we put a lot of time and effort into like trying to make sure we had good shoes and to make sure that we were fit enough to do it and, and like to know what our heart rates were and to know what our calorie burn was over 20 miles. And so we had a good idea of what to take with us on the fast pack. Um, and, and then we got to go out and like actually test that in an area where there was an option for bailout points. Like, like had anything gone wrong, there was those six points where we knew someone could basically drive like pretty close to where we were. Um, because like going into the Highline Trail in the Uintas next week, we're not going to have um, anywhere near that kind of. Yeah, bailout points can be ten miles of hiking down a trail to get to a bailout point. Yeah, exactly. So like you learning like I I feel like what you had was a probably a stomach bug or something based on the training we've done, but like just learning what you need to know about calories to make sure you got it and like. Like, everyone else's lessons being learned on this one where there was less at stake really helps us to be that much more prepared for the next one. So that was like, we knew that was going to be a good thing and we knew we should do it, but we just didn't know what we would learn. So I think it's just really critical that you work your way up to bigger and harder trips. The other thing that I learned was like right along the lines of like, I knew that over 20 miles from our previous shakedown stage of the Hardline Challenge, in those 20 miles, I had burned almost 8,000 calories. And so, like, we were trying to get 4,500 calories in our packs, and uh, um, when it came down to it, I felt like I could eat 4,000 calories a day, but, like, not really anymore. And, and eating that much a day, which is, like, literally twice what I normally eat, um, made me have to go to the bathroom way more. And it was a combination of like the new medication I was taking, me having irritable bowel syndrome, and then just being running that much more. Like it was, it was an ordeal. And luckily I knew it was going to be an ordeal. So I packed a ton of toilet paper. I was just going to say, I see you. You guys were, were in the same tent, the same little bit of weight. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm seeing a combination of someone who used a lot of toilet paper and someone who somehow yep. mysteriously ran out with never using it. So no, just Brandon was keep, the keep one. Keep an eye on your toilet paper, Derek. <laughs> no, but that was like, um, a big surprise to me. Like just, um, the toll that took on me. And, and so like going into the next one, 
I'm not going to try to pack much more than 4,000 calories knowing that I can't really eat that much more. But also just knowing, like, it's a good thing to test how you do in that situation when you have a new medication before you get really far backcountry and before there's more at stake. And so um, I was just really glad that we had that test before we hit the high line. Nice. Cool. Derek, or Darren? So for me... Um, it kind of goes back to what a few of you guys have been talking about, and that's about the preparation side of things. Um, for m when we were starting, or before this trip started, literally the day before, I hadn't really considered the weather. And before <laughs> then, I was considering bringing a little tarp to sleep under and just a cheap poncho to run with, like just in case it rained. But with the weather we'd had before, which was like about a week of raining, it's like, you know, we're going to be a lot higher. There's going to be a lot more rain. And I watched the video where literally the same area where we were going, you know, we had a company trip there before, and Dave had got wrecked by hail, and this was good weather, you know, when they went. And so this was just a random storm that came through. And it, what, it, what it comes down to for my big takeaway is I had decided the day before after that preparation, I better go get some a rain jacket and I better bring a tent. Um, and so I took a few extra pounds that I hadn't planned on, but it was the best decision of my, of my trip. It was just to bring a few extra pounds. So the extra preparation that you can take is always going to be worth it. And even if it costs you a few pounds, I would much rather be caught with a rain jacket than without it, with that weather we had. And so I'd say for anyone, if you're wondering if you should not bring the protective gear you should probably just bring it so yeah it's good yeah i really like everybody's um some of them i made like a list and some of them are all the same things that people have said i definitely echo tasons on the on the fueling slash food calories area like that's a huge um learning opportunity like um, one one other thing i was just thinking about bef with that too is like you know you're burning more calories than you can take in. Like, you can't get away from it. You're going to run at a deficit. So, like, just make sure what you do take, you can get, you just really like it and can really get down. Because I don't know if it really matters. If you're burning 6,000 calories, does how much does it really matter if you eat 4,000 or 3,500? You know what I mean? Like, does that 500, you're already at a deficit. So, that was something. But, yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty wild. I came back... Um, I can't remember i think i threw it in slack but i was like five or six pounds lighter than when i left yeah, like i weighed in the morning crazy. i left and was five or six pounds lighter but i'm oh, sorry go on no you're good uh, on that note i i really don't know how i lost zero weight like a pound for pound i was like exactly the same weight and i i ate less every day this is crazy anyway yeah. um yeah you also I, swell up man you get those, i do i get uh, edema in my in my legs like my legs hold water and yeah, so the food one, um, I would echo everything Tayson said. Um, so my biggest lesson learned or takeaway, um, I'll just read kind of my note, was make everything as easy as possible, logistically, physically, packing, camp setup, eating, drinking, um, etc. So try and run through these logistically. Um, making it as simple as easy as possible. So like we tried to piece together the most efficient route that we could, um, taking advantage of roads when we could, 
um, just things like that, like making it as simple because um, when you're fatigued and exhausted, like we already talked about, like your cognitive abilities, like you don't want to have to think about things. So like if you simplify and make certain things logistically easy, like that's the route that's, you know, from where you pack things in your pack and in the order that you're going to take them out, anticipating that it's going to be rain. So like just making everything as easy as possible uh, physically. Um, again, like that's uh, like if it's easier to, if there's an easier way that's going to take less effort to get around an obstacle or over an obstacle or through something, you know what I mean? Just like just do what's easiest because it's probably now has less risk of injury, um, which is going to slow down the group. Um, so that's kind of like the physical aspect and then I kind of talked about camping or packing camp setup we I talked about that earlier just like make everything as easy as possible take it out of the pack in the order you're going to need it have things prepped in your pack so that it's as efficient as possible to use or set up that item um well so like a lot of these were like confirmed on the trip like um so it was just a lesson that's like in my mind now more more reinforced and some of the lessons were like, I, it was a lesson learned because something didn't work so well. Um, and then back like to the eating, um, it's hard to eat food that you can't easily access um, or access. Um, so like having everything easily accessible so that it is easy to eat, that's like the one thing. And then like Tayson said, simplify it by making it food that you normally eat or would normally want to eat. I What I did that I learned is not gonna work for me on this type of trip is like I I always try to be like practical and frugal and so I just picked the same set of things to eat every day. So my meals were exactly the same every day except for my dinners, but like my lunch, my chest, what I called my chest food, it was the same, like packed the exact same in the exact same quantities and and that became less and less desirable like each day so like I just ate less and less which you know that's gonna come no matter what you'll probably lose some appetite but it would have given me more of an edge I would have been able to eat more and have more calories had I had more variety and less quantity of like all kinds of things like just stuff that I would normally eat I and everybody knows I love gummies but I would not pack half the gummies and candy that I packed because my thinking was quick hit sugar, just keep it coming. But like, I didn't, I couldn't like look at a gummy for several days after this trip mm -hmm. just cause I had used them too much. Um, and then, you know, drinking, um, having water readily accessible, but I even like bought two flasks, each had a filter. So I never even had to try to filter one into the other. I could always just dip both of them in a stream, cap them and drink them as I went. So just simplifying and making as easy as possible the, the procurement and the consumption of water. Um, yeah, that's that's my takeaways. All right, so Tyler gave two, Brigham gave eight. I think we're ready to move on. That's no, <laughs> no, good. Um, okay, we're gonna go like lightning around here. We gotta go quick. Let's, let's move this forward. So we've got what is your favorite thing that you took and what is something that you could have left behind? 
Um, start with you, Brennan. Um, my favorite thing that I took was, I guess we all just love food, was definitely the food that I chose to take. One thing that I religiously do is I try to have my food packed pretty early on in the week. And then as I go through the gym and my workouts, I just look at my food bag. I'm like, hey, I just did a workout. Would I want to eat that like right after my workout? And if it's no, it gets pulled from my pack and I replace it with something else. So just bringing food that I liked. I enjoyed it. I ate pretty much all my food. And then something that I would have left behind, I would not replace the bivy. I liked it for that trip. I had a pair of extra shorts that I just like never used and sat in my pack. They're just going to get dirty and I sleep in my underwear anyway. I wouldn't bring an extra pair of shorts next time. Nice. Derek? Uh, one thing, my favorite thing from this trip was probably a rain jacket. Um, I, I, I wasn't thinking of bringing one. I was going to bring just a poncho, but I'm really glad I did bring an actual rain jacket. And something I would have left behind... Honestly, there's not really a specific piece of gear I would have left behind. I used most of my gear, but I think I did bring a little bit too much food if I had to choose something. I think that's a you know a good problem to have, but um, I just came home with more food than I needed. So Nice. So um, for me, the best thing I took was just my gator wool socks and shoe combo like when we've trail run a lot in the past it's been annoying to get rocks and sand in there so everyone having gators kept our pace better i think and uh, that's where i spent all my money like i spent a good amount of money between those beforehand and and i was really happy with that the thing i could have left behind I actually did leave behind halfway through. I had some sunglasses that I that I messed up by getting the 100% deep bug spray on them a little bit. And once they started to go, the, they just got so scratched and ruined that I ended up throwing them away at one of those outhouses. I didn't even know that. And so, so yeah, um, I just probably wouldn't have even bothered bringing them. Well, and it was uh, overcast the whole time, so. Yeah, yeah. didn't need them. I had glasses, and they never really were on me, so. For me, uh, best thing I brought was either a poncho or a tent, as mentioned earlier. So I can't really say one was better than the other, but I will say both those were my favorite. Uh, and what I could have left is I had a shirt for the truck ride back that I carried with me the whole time. So I, I could have left that. I could have left that in the tent. <laughs> Darren had a pack that could hold more capacity than anyone else's, so he had the ability to, if he wanted to, carry more. A lot of us were just trying to get our packs sealed up. Uh, they were at the the absolute peak of what you could do with those fast packs. I was like, but that's the only thing I had, like yeah. extra. Everything else, I I was happy with what I had. So yeah, it's not that bad. Yeah. No, yeah. pretty pretty decent. Um, I used, yeah. I had a tiny pack. I used everything that I took except for the food that I didn't eat. Um, my favorite piece of gear, because I used everything, which meant I needed to take it anyway, stuff I take on every trip anyway, so I'll say something a little different. My favorite piece of gear was my titanium pot. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to say, I'm sure glad I didn't share pot with you. Because on uh, night two, when we got into our tents way early and had like 13 hours or 12 hours to sit in the tent, 
I was well hydrated, and it was raining outside, and I didn't want to go outside. So <laughs> I used a pot and a fling method. And uh, <laughs> after I cooked my meal, by the way, after I had had dinner, the pot came in really handy. Never had to leave the tent. Um, yeah, the gear I would leave was I used everything. I I would leave the food that I didn't eat. Uh, I don't know. I some poor gummy bears. Yeah, I would leave some leave some gummies at home. Nice. Um, for me, I think the best thing I took was actually my rain kilt. Uh, the dress. <laughs> kilt. <laughs> um, yeah, I. I mean that. It's something that was just kind of a new thing. Never tried them. Tried it before, and um, I actually quite liked it. So. It was something I'll definitely take again. Um, something I could have left, uh, I could probably second Tyler sunglasses. It was so overcast the whole time I never needed them. Um, could have left behind about 60, 70% of my food. That would have saved me some weight. Um, other than that, it was I had a pretty trimmed down list, so I felt pretty good about that. But Okay, well, that wraps up some of the takeaways. Um, but before... We close off here. I did want to cover a couple other things. Um, this is part of the Hardline Challenge. This this particular um, hike was part of the Hardline Challenge. The next thing that we have coming is the Uinta Highline Trail. All of us will be going except for Darren. Uh, Darren's not going to be able to make that particular one, so he will be missed, um, or as we may call him later, Haystack, but we can, we can talk <laughs> about that later. Jason will miss his jerky. I will miss Darren's jerky, but I did order, you know, I don't know if you noticed, there's an Amazon box that came in with a lot of jerky in it um, that I will be taking on the Uma Highline, see how that goes. Um, but yeah, overall, the the that one is going to be a really good one. Make sure you stay tuned. We will do our best to, to podcast that. If we can do it on the trail, we will. Um, but obviously out in nature, it is can be a little bit difficult at times, but we're definitely looking forward to that. Um, there's going to be some interesting things. I'm definitely, um, I feel good. I feel pretty confident that I won't have any stomach issues. So hopefully that holds true. I, uh, I did get bit by a dog this week, so I'm taking some antibiotics. And hopefully yesterday it got pretty red and, and swollen. Looked like it was starting some infection. So hopefully that will dissipate. Today looks better. So um trying to think of what else. I mean, uh, other things that are just hard about this trail though. I mean, it's just, it's 104 miles and we're in deep wilderness. And I mean, like you say, like to get off the trail could mean 10 miles of hiking just to get off the trail. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just a, a whole different animal and it'll be really interesting to see what is harder about one of these hikes versus the others, but should just be a phenomenal trip. And I'm sure we've all got the things going in the back of our mind that we're, we're prepping for and maybe even a little bit nervous about, but overall you're going to want to stay tuned and make sure you're, you're, you're listening for those podcasts. So make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. Make sure that if you're enjoying these, you leave us some feedback, go leave a review on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're using. That does help us out a lot. And if you've got feedback, um, reach out to us directly. Um, just go onto our website, open up the chat, um, at outdoorvitals.com and send us some feedback for the podcast. We love to hear that feedback, but um, any closing thoughts from anyone before we, we wrap this up and turn our sights towards Highline and actually from now, just a couple days. Uh, uh, one thing that I just really wanted to quickly add, and I know this goes unsaid, but we just have some mentally tough people in this group. It was awesome just to do this. And I feel like 
it was just a big accomplishment just watching everybody hit their different walls and still wanting to run and still want to hike in the rain and everything like that just motivated me a lot just to be in that group of guys with you so I know it goes unsaid but just wanted to add that in there yeah no I, I think that that's awesome I think that I think it's trips like these that keep you alive you know and they keep you pushing the boundaries and I come off of trips like these I don't know me personally I'm just speaking from my own personal experience but I feel like I come off trips like these and uh it it it's humbling, but it's also just helps you grow. It, it like makes you feel alive in a lot of ways. Um, but it, it, it's like, uh, I don't know. I feel like I can't put words to it, but, but there's something almost like primal about it that, that just, um, I don't know, makes you feel like a man and, and makes you feel like you're, you're pushing the boundaries. And I think that pushing of the boundaries is where so much of growth in life happens. But so I really, and, I like and that relationships. Comment. You know, yeah. we all leaned on each other for different things, and it's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. The amount of the amount of relationship building that it that turns into the amount of just bonding, the amount of R and D for uh, for us as well. The it just it went a long ways, and and you know whether you're going out with the to do hikes like these with your buddies or your family members or whatever, like you'll come back a tighter knit group for sure. So. Okay, well, with that, make sure you're subscribed and uh, hang on the line because we'll be doing the Highline Trail, and we'll, I'm sure we will have more stories to go around from that trail and two additional, two and a half additional days that we're planning um, on that trail. So with that, we'll catch you on the next one.